sure uh, any of us or most of us, probably most of us have had the experience of uh, at one point in our lives having a kind of a social life. Uh, some of you maybe have come here directly from school, so maybe, maybe you haven't had that experience very much, I don't know. Uh, but in college, or maybe, maybe there's enough time in sixth year to develop a bit of this as well. Uh, but there's this phase in your life where you'll have an awful lot of people that you can go out with, an awful lot of people you can socialise with. Like when you're in college, there'll be different groups or your year or your faculty, there'll be different nights out then, or, or you know, there might be a, uh, an arts night out or, you know, cowpunchers ball, as it was called, the, what were they called? The, uh, whatever, the dairy, the dairy people. They, they were in a different building in UCC. Uh, so there was a, a special socialising night for them. Uh, and it was, you know, it's, it's, it's a great way of getting to know people. It's a great way of spending time with people, making new friends and lots of acquaintances and so on. Um, around that phase in, in life, though, I think you begin to learn the difference between acquaintances and friends. You begin to learn the difference between people you can hang out with, people you can socialise with, and people who you'd actually consider friends, people who, who you can open up to, to be honest with, to be vulnerable with, to be, to be real with. And I think today there's a, definitely a crisis in that kind of thing, in that maybe what, what we used to do, socialising and having lots of acquaintances, has been replaced with social media, which is an even more distant kind of a relationship, where people uh, relate to you via thumbs up, thumbs down, via small little comments, via things like that. It's, it's, very, it's very impersonal. And what it leads to then is, is people often feeling quite alone, even though they have tons of so-called friends, which are even, I'll say, less than acquaintances. But you often notice then also in, uh, if you compare the joys, the ups and the downs, how, how does it work? Basically, when, when, you're having, when you're having a good time, when you're, going out, when you're going out to a match, or when you're going to a pub or a club or something, there's lots of people you can hang out with, great. When you're in need, how many of them will be there? Uh, like I have a couple of wealthy friends and it's, it's, it is a different life uh, for them really because they know that a lot of people want to visit them or befriend them or get to know them because they are wealthy and they want something from them. You know, I'm not sure if you've ever been to a kind of a, a social gathering of kind of maybe richer people and, and that sort of thing. I've, I haven't been to very many, not really my scene. But um, we're talking to people like, and they're kind of looking at you, but kind of looking over your shoulder as well to see is there someone richer or more important than you around there? So they're looking at you, but they're not really looking at you. They're, they're scanning for the, the next more important person, you know. Uh, it's, so that's the way it often is in, 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 in that kind of an environment as well, where uh, those who are, who are wealthy actually find it quite hard to find friends. People who, who will be there for them were the wealth to disappear. This is like our, our, our gospel today, right? The mother of the sons of Zebedee, uh, so James and John, come, she, she comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, uh, I want these two sons of mine to have a place in your kingdom, one at your right and one at your left. So not just a place in heaven, but the best places in heaven. Not just in heaven, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll scrape in the door, we'll, we'll, we'll climb in a window somewhere, but like, I want them to be up top beside you, left and right. The best place, like there are, there are no better places than that, right? So Jesus understandably responds, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> like, that's not what it's about. 
That is not what it's about. Getting up to heaven and having these kind of places of honor uh, and people's uh, applause or attention, that, that's, that's not what heaven is about. Nor is that what this life is about, trying to get to heaven so that we can be praised. That's not it. We get to heaven so that we can serve, that we can love. So he says to her, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Now, obviously, we know, we know how the story ends. So we know that when he, talks, when he says this, the cup he's talking about is, is the cup of suffering. Uh, that's why it's included in the, in the same gospel as well. Now we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man is going to be handed over to the chief priests and scribes. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the pagans to be mocked, scourged, and crucified. I mean, he's laying it out. He's going to be mocked, scourged, and crucified. This is going to be ugly. This is going to be hard. This is going to be sad. This is going to include death in the cruelest form that the Romans knew how. And on the third day, he will rise again. So the story ends well, but like, this is not going to be easy. This is the cup he's talking about. So he's, he's asking, like, will you be with me, not just on, in the glory days, not just when things are easy? You know, because you can imagine, like, walking around with Jesus. If you've watched any episodes of The Chosen, you can see how, how, how it was for the apostles uh, to be with Jesus when, when he's preaching and teaching and healing. And they're kind of like, they're delighted. Do you know? We're with him. You know, when Jesus works a miracle, and sometimes you see in the background John taking out a little book and starting to write, you know, John taking, writing his gospel. And they're delighted. There's delight to be part of this. This is sour boss. This is, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty close. Uh, we go back a long way. Yeah, I, I think we're, I think I'm his favorite, actually. No, no, I'm his favorite. No, 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 no. And these are the kind of discussions they were having, you know? Who is the greatest? So, but they liked being with Jesus. They liked being with Jesus on those Mount Tabor moments. Those moments of glory, those moments of, let, it's good for us to be here, let's build three tents, let's stay here, this is awesome. This is good, let's, like, let's stay with, with you in these moments of, of glory and joy and, 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 and splendor and marvel. Let's stay here. But those moments of, of glory and joy, those, moments, those Mount Tabor moments, are preparation for, for the Golgotha moments, for the Calvary moments. When it's difficult, when it's, it's, it's sad or challenging or lonely or moments of grief or sickness or loss. So the Lord is, is, is very, very realistic, very, very honest with his apostles. And I think as he is with us. That's why we've come across this numerous times over the last couple of weeks. Jesus does promise eternal life to us when we obey his commands. He does. I mean, he wants to get us to heaven more than we want to get there. He wants our happiness and our salvation more than we want it. But at the same time, he says, if you want to be a follower of mine, renounce yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. He's, he is very realistic. He's not sugarcoating this at all. There will be days when it's difficult. There will be days when it's sad and when it's hard. We know the story ends in glory. We know the story ends in resurrection. That all, that, it's also for us. Our, our difficult days, our, our challenging days, that's not the end of the story. The story does not end there. It doesn't. We are people of the, I can't say the word now, A-L-L-E-L, you know, and so on and so forth. 
the liturgical world, I can't say this time of the year, but we are a people of the resurrection. Let's phrase it that way. We are a people of the resurrection. All right? We're people of, of, who have been set free. So the story ends well. It does. And in the meantime, our fidelity in those difficult days is so, so important. Our fidelity in those moments of darkness is so important because our yes, my yes today, my fidelity today might be the answer to someone else's prayer. You get it? My yes today might be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Like we have a bunch of students coming today now to do a confirmation retreat. So I could be tired or in bad form, whatever it is. Uh, and if I, if I follow that, now anyone who has prayed for that confirmation group, that group now will be exposed to a, 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 a priest in bad form, right? Who will give a rubbish example of the joy of the faith. Okay, so now my lack of a yes has nullified the, the, the effect of that person's prayer. My yes, my yes can be the answer to someone else's prayer. Your, your affirmation, when you go over to someone and you say, well done, that was, really, that was really good, thank you, thank you. That could be the answer to the prayer they made this morning. Lord, I'm just going through a kind of a, 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 a hard time. Could just, could just someone maybe remind me that I'm, that I'm okay, that I'm good? And, and you can be that instrument. You can, be that, you can be that instrument. You going over to someone saying, well done, that's, that's really good. Thank you. Thank you. You could actually make their day with those eight words. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing the, the, the power we have. My yes today can be the answer to someone else's prayer. My fidelity in prayer today. Like, all of us have people in our, in our lives who, without us, maybe realize it, depend on our example. They see our example. They will be affected by our example. So my fidelity in prayer today can be the answer to their prayer. It can help them grow in faith. It can help them take the next step. My yes matters. And especially my yes in the Calvary days. Because that's when the yes really counts. That's when the yes is hard. Yes, in the Tabor days, that, that's, that, that's easy enough. That's, and please say yes in those days too. But that's easy. Saying yes when it's, when it's heavy, when it's, when it's hard, that's, uh, that's where we grow. That's where we grow. That's where our love deepens. That's where our, our hearts can really begin to discover who God is and who we are and our incredible need for him in those days. That's why the Lord allows them. He's not doing so to be cruel. That's when we discover who he is and who we are. That's when we discover his immense love. And that's when I discover, that's when I have an opportunity to grow in fidelity in prayer. And it's a, it's a hard school, but, but it works. It works. My yes today might be the answer to someone else's prayer. So we ask today that in the easy days, in the glory days, we might thank God for everything. In the difficult days, we might open our hearts to the immensity of God's grace available to us and praise him then as well. Praise him in the storm. Praise him in all difficulty. That we might discover who he truly is and that we might respond to his call. That my yes today can be the answer to someone else's prayer. Amen.